Well, good afternoon, everyone. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Red Pill News Live. Thank you very much for hanging out with us today. We're getting started off with a bang, and no, that's not a reference to Kansas City, although there was a shooting there, I guess it was today, at a parade celebrating their win in Sports Bowl over the weekend. Uh, Three teens were arrested. It appears to be some sort of gangland hoodlum type thing. Ten people hit one person dead. Obviously, it's a tragedy. But unfortunately, you get a number of people together, and there's going to be a significant number of them with a reduced capacity for intelligence and forethought. It's pretty sad. So I don't really have much to say about it. I just I saw the clip as I was getting ready, and I just assumed that it happened over the weekend. I, I wasn't aware that the celebration would continue for days. So if anybody out there is in Kansas City, if you guys were present, my God, I'm, you know, I'm praying for you. I'm glad you're okay. I hope that you're okay. Yeah, I saw three people being arrested, and I, you know what? I'll go ahead and pull that up, you guys, so that we can we can see that. Because uh, I, I do have that. And it was sent over by the lovely Real Red Pill 78 girlfriend, a, a.k.a. fiancé. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we'll be right back after this with a whole bunch of news. Well, bad news. It sounds like the Fed has taken the punch bowl away from the party yet again because the stock market has been betting on March rate cuts, but not so fast because all three indexes just got pummeled on the news that rate cuts are off the table. Now, is this why JP Morgan and UBS are calling for a 23% drop in the S&P? Let me tell you something. This is the longest time we've ever had in history between recessions. And right now, that recession indicator is ringing off the hook. It's most severe alarm in that 40-year history. So either you think Bidenomics is working or you're buying gold. And since we all know Bidenomics isn't working... Isn't it time you protected your retirement by getting gold? Right now, you can call the proud Americans of the Patriot Gold Group today and do it before it's too late. All you got to do is mention me, Zach Payne, and this show, Red Pill News on Red Pill 78, and you will always get the best-in-class service from Patriots protecting Patriots. The Patriot Gold Group has the No Fee for Life IRA, where your IRA or 401k can be in physical gold and silver, and you might be eligible for the No Fee for Life IRA on qualifying rollovers. So give them a call today at 888-857-6092 and request your free investor guide today. Patriot Gold Group is a consumer affairs top-rated gold IRA dealer for seven years in a row. Call them today at 888-857-6092. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, my friends, welcome back. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. I hope you're having a lovely day. If you're in Kansas City, you're probably not having the best day. I see there's some conversation in the chat. So let, let me just get right to the the controversy, first of all. So <clears throat> um, there was that documentary that came out about uh, Phil Godlewski. And, uh, you know, I don't talk about Phil. A lot of people like him. A lot of people don't. And I feel like my opinion should be pretty self-evident. So I just don't go there. Um, 
Anyways, the guy who made the show is the same guy who made that uh, documentary about Derek Johnson. Now, he likes Derek Johnson. I guess he doesn't like Phil. He used a bunch of publicly available information about Phil to put it together, and uh, now there's a war going between them. And it, the people who made the documentary are basically saying that if you don't support them, you must support Phil. Well, I'm not supporting either of them, to be perfectly frank with you. Um, Nick, the maker of the documentary, he had been on the show before once a couple of years ago uh, after he had made another documentary. He was also at January 6th. Now, he um, – he had sent me the Derek Johnson documentary when it first came out. And once I realized it was about Derek, I, I knew that that wasn't really my cup of tea personally. And, you know, to each his own. I do not tell anybody who to follow or what kind of stuff that they should watch. But the documentary itself, John and I talked about on Baseless Conspiracies. And, you know, what I said was, you know, a lot of people like it. It's a feel-good movie. If you like it, you go ahead and enjoy it. However, there were a couple of things in there that I found to be factually inaccurate, and we talked about them briefly. Uh, and then when he turns around to make this new documentary, documentary about Phil, he includes me in a deceptively edited clip uh, with Juan O'Savin making this background right here. So a, a recent video of me within some video of Juan. I, I don't know what it is. But anyways, he made it look like I had been doing shows with Juan. Now – Juan has been on the show once before three or four years ago, and it was right after the election, and uh, a lot of people were saying, you got to talk to Juan O'Savin. He knows what's going on. I had him on, you know, and I never had him on again. So, uh, you know, take of that what you will. Uh, there's all kinds of people that I've had on the show before that I've continued to have on the show, uh, and then there's other people who have been here once. Uh, I don't have to agree with everybody that I have on the show, I would prefer it even if we had perhaps a couple of things we disagree on, because then I think it's a more interesting conversation. That's always the way I've done my show. Anyways, um, they made it out to be some sort of scandal that I had done this one show with Juan. I've never hidden it. It's always been available on my channel, like since the very beginning here. I even did an interview with uh, Matrix and Shady long time ago, four or five years ago now. Uh, where I wanted to ask them about their appointment to speak at the Ramtha School for Enlightenment. Uh, so in the interest of uh, educational purposes and public disclosure, I re-released that interview today along with a little introduction kind of telling what's going on. So if you want to watch it, it's out there. A lot of people had asked me to republish it. It's there. Uh, you guys know I do not want to get involved in some sort of petty squabbling on the Internet. Uh, and the only reason I'm saying something about it now is just in case people come in here and, you know, they want to uh, bring it up because I've got nothing to hide. I'm an open book. You guys can ask me anything you want. This is why I talk to the chat. Uh, and uh, and this is why I am happy to talk about anything, essentially. But the most important thing to me is saving America. OK, and I don't think that we save America by focusing on the imperfections or even the shortcomings of uh, of other podcasters. You know, it's my opinion that people are going to listen to whatever it is that they want to listen to. Uh, and I sincerely do not want people to be taken advantage of. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who will take advantage of the listener and they will try to pass off bad information. They'll also use their position specifically to attack larger people uh, so that they can use that as a springboard to get more attention and more people who are devoted to them. 
I'm not here to create a cult. I'm not here to create some sort of uh, undying legion or even a fan base. Uh, I don't consider myself to be a celebrity or somebody who even has fans. Uh, There are others who definitely feel the opposite way. You know, this is a reciprocal relationship. I come here every day. I I try to put out the best possible, the best quality information that I possibly can. In, In doing so, I seek to rally the entirety of the American public so that together we can save America, so that we can take down the the bureaucratic state that currently is in power in Washington, D.C., the D.C. swamp, the deep state. That's the only thing that I'm interested in. Uh, And if I have to address something, I will, but I'm not going to dwell on it because it's not important to me. It's not how I live my life in my private life, and it's not how I live my life on the air. So I appreciate each and every one of you, uh, and I sincerely hope that you understand where I'm coming from. And uh, like I said, if you have any questions for me, you have uh, uh, anything that you know you want to bring up, you guys know how to get a hold of me, redpill78 at protonmail.com. You can also go to my website, redpill78news.com. You can also reach out to me on Twitter, on Gab, on Getter, on X, all at redpill78. And then, of course, we've got you here in the chat. Uh, and, uh, yeah, look at that. I, Sterling, I appreciate that. I mean, you're, you're, I've known you for so many years at this point. I love you. He says, Zach, personally, I think of you more as a friend who does a lot of research and, uh, I don't have time to do. Well, I, that's honestly the way that I want it. I, I wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, so Americans, uh, world patriots, thank you so much for being here. I love each and every one of you. And, uh, it is a, a pleasure It is an honor. It is a blessing for me to show up here on this channel, producing this stream and bringing together people from all over the world every single day. I really appreciate it. And Gump, I love you, too, brother. Thank you so much. I, You know, there's nothing that gives me more pleasure than looking out there in the chat and seeing each and every one of your names every day. And I always tell people when they send me an email and they're like, I don't get to listen live. I'm like, you're missing out because it's not just that, you know, you get to see me doing it. In real time, you get to join a community. You get to hang out with some of the coolest people, some of the most dedicated, some of the most honorable, some of the most patriotic people from countries all over the world. You know, just one more story. And Lisa was like, nobody wants to hear your story. (laughs) Anyways, I'm getting misty. Okay, so. Over last weekend, uh, somebody – and I won't use your name because I don't know what your screen name is. I just know your your legal name – emailed me from Amsterdam, and they said that I have quite a following in Amsterdam. Like there's people in Amsterdam that listen to my show, and that just blows my mind. Oh, Jeff. And you know what? Early in the show, I saw Jeff in the chat. Thanks for that, buddy. Appreciate it. He said that he never used to watch the show. He passed it over so many times. And then he was like, ah, I guess I'll give him a try. And then once he watched, he was like, wow, this is awesome. This is great. I, I can't believe I missed it. Jeff, it, it again, it's an honor to be here and to stand alongside you. So thank you very much for giving my show a shot. And if you guys haven't yet, uh, will you please do me a favor? Hit the like button. Also, share the show uh, and help us get this out. Uh, or Kurzman says, I like to listen to you and others have conversations. It opens the mind. That's exactly what it's meant to do that right there. You know, I mean, I've said this since the very beginning, we're at a, a really dangerous place in America and across the globe right now where we've kind of gotten to this point where instead of having conversations with people, uh, we have been 
taught to reject people who think differently than us. And, you know, it's great when you and your friends get together and you guys have cool things to talk about, things that you're all into. Um, But it's not a healthy thing when we shun ideas that are not our own. We have to be able to listen to other ideas and to even consider why it is that people harbor those ideas so that they're not dangerous, so that they don't have power, so that we're not afraid to hear them, and so that we can have common ground. Because even if we're different, even if we're thinking different or we worship different or you know, we live in a different country, we're different ages, whatever it is that separates us, we're all human beings. And that right there is enough of a connection as far as I'm concerned. And more than anything, obviously, I think that I'm right, right? You know, I think all of us think that what we believe is correct. And so when we have conversations with people who don't agree with us, we have that opportunity to meet in the middle and perhaps a little bit of that knowledge, wisdom, and the research that I have dedicated my life to wears off on them. Perhaps they change their mind. It's happened to so many people that I know that I've known throughout the years specifically about Donald Trump. I can't tell you how many people. My mom, she did not like Donald Trump. She didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2016. She was afraid for the country. And I came to her and I said, Mom, let me just talk to you about who he is, who he really is, about what kind of a man he truly is. And it didn't take long. And before long, she was like, you know what? You're right. I can't believe I ever thought any different. And now that's all she can see. And it allows her to look at the left, to look at this radicalization of the nation that's happening. And it allows her to kind of bridge that gap with perhaps people in her life. And that's all I'd ever ask of you guys. You know, just do whatever you can. Do whatever you can to bridge that gap and to use that as an opportunity to save our country and to save humanity, truly, at the end of the day. Uh, Thank you very, very much, you guys. Uh, Really appreciate you out there. Um, Let me real quick say thank you to Anarchist Owl. Uh, Andrew Castell, who is definitely not a bot, definitely not a bot. Uh, he says RP 78 is the most down to earth podcaster. Also, my friend in Slovenia catches you sometimes. Hey, if you are anarchist owls friend in Slovenia, what's good, man. Uh, that's awesome. I had no idea that anybody in Slovenia listens to me. I am fascinated with Eastern Europe, with the old Soviet bloc nations, and I don't have a passport. I've never been outside the United States. It's, I've always just been dedicated to work and stuff. So Someday, I would love to go traveling throughout Eastern Europe and then into uh, Asia and, 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 and Russia even and to see it. Uh, Andre says, Zach, you are the man. Thank you for your commitment to the truth. We do love you and Lisa. You guys rock. Love you too, Chad. Thank you very much, bro. I sincerely appreciate you as well. And uh, I got to say, meeting you uh, and, and like knowing that you came to my show as a second generation Red Pill 78 listener – that was so amazing. That was amazing. Your, your dad has been listening since the beginning, and he said, hey, you got to listen to this guy. Zach knows what's going on, and now here you are, and you're hanging out with us. And uh, I hope that I'm going to see you again when you come home from your, uh, your, your stint in the service. All right, you guys. So let me also say uh, really appreciate uh, the, uh, the chats over here on Pilled as well. Big Bird says, good evening, fellow patriots. Happy Valentine's Day to all the ladies out there. I forgot. Happy Valentine's Day, you guys. Happy Valentine's Day. 
Thank you to Sean Joe and Just Duckies and Allison and Netfolks who says, Happy Valentine's Day to you and Lisa. Sean Joe, thank you for that. Also, Porpoiseful says, Happy Valentine's Day to you and Lisa. Thank you for all you do. Red Pill Ken, another brother from another mother. Red Pill Ken, who I have also met in person. So good to see out there, buddy. He says, uh, one for the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, White Hats blockage. I rejected DEI. Sorry, Zach. You got nothing to apologize about, my man. We are going to talk about Mike Johnson and that blockage here in just a moment. Leanne 63 says, Zach, we all think you're awesome. Been watching since before you showed your face. Thank you so much, Leanne. And then Smot Poker says, Pill.net has the best people and the best chat. A- Men, 100%. Uh, and then Filter Dog says drama-free zone. That's right. That's right. This is a drama-free zone. So maybe let's talk about a little bit of drama happening over there. <laughs> oh, shoot. You guys, I just changed everything on my my uh, uh, my my board here. So I'm trying to remember where I go. That's it. Okay, cool. This is the one. <clears throat> All right. So uh, this is uh, Jordan, obviously my friend Jordan Sather. Uh, He posted or he retweeted the video of the shooting in Kansas City or the aftermath. And he says, false flag, illegal immigrant, MK ultra transgender, mentally ill pronoun person taking prescription medications and already on an FBI list. Did I cover all these bases there? Now, honestly, this was the first thing I thought when I uh, when I came to this as well. Let me just refresh this so we can show you guys the video. Also, let me just repeat. I thought this must have been on Sunday because the Super Bowl was Sunday, right? I didn't think that people would still be out partying and stuff, but I guess that's how it it goes in sports ball. So uh, here we go. So the one question I have is, uh, I don't know when the shooting took place versus when the FBI police and SWAT started arriving. Um, I guess it's reasonable to assume maybe the FBI has an office there in Kansas City. I mean, it is a major metropolitan area and it probably would act as a hub for the Midwest. But it seems like they got there quickly, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I thought it was probably true that this was a, a rainbow uh, pronoun person. However, it looks like three black teens have been arrested outside Union Station in Kansas City. So this is just unfortunately kids being stupid. Uh, we don't know if it's related to anything specifically, but I mean, unfortunately, like I said early in the show, you get a big group of people together like that. And unfortunately, you're going to have some of them who just do not think far enough into the future uh, to not make a bad decision. So last I heard, 10 people had been shot. One person has lost their life. Don't know if all of them are going to be charged in the same way or if this is going to be um, uh, shoot, if it's uh, if it's going to be, you know, perhaps certain charges for someone else and certain charges for another. Uh, But it's it's a tragedy. You know, there's really no way around it. And uh, I'm glad that they got them before anybody else lost their lives. All right. So uh Real Red Pill Girlfriend says it was parade in KC because KC won. Right, right. I I get that. But again, I just I didn't know that the celebrations would still be happening. Um, 
I just figured everything was done as of Sunday. But, you know, like I said, I don't watch sports ball. I don't know. But what I can tell you about, what I can tell you about is uh, punishing evil pedophiles. Uh, I've definitely done a lot of research into that. And you may remember that I had reported down here in Florida, uh, the uh, state legislature had uh, just recently legalized the death penalty for certain heinous crimes against children. Uh, now, in Idaho, the the Idaho Idaho House has also approved a bill uh, which would impose the death penalty for other certain heinous crimes against children, child sexual abuse. So this is passed the uh, House of Representatives. It's House Bill 515. And this measure would see the death penalty extended to severe sex crimes against children under the age of 12. Now, uh, I don't know how severe. I don't know what they are. Um, I don't know what they are deeming as severe, but y- you have to believe that it's good. It's going to reach a certain threshold. And I can't say that I disagree with them. In fact, I believe wholeheartedly that for uh, perpetrators of criminal sexual acts against children, the death penalty should be legalized in every state uh, of this union. Uh, now, I am also not naive enough to think that that'll actually happen. Uh, probably the best we can hope for is for uh, Republican-controlled states. They will go ahead and do that. I do not see this happening in Democrat-controlled states. And uh, I cannot wait to see if any Democrats come out against this. Uh, to say that it's somehow cruel and unusual. We shouldn't be putting people to death. Well, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. A a criminal sexual abuse of a child is tantamount to a death penalty for that child. It kills who that person, who that child is. It kills the person inside them. And it can lead to a lifelong series of debilitating mental and even physical illnesses uh, as a result of it. And it also, if the abuse is severe and ongoing enough, it can even lead to that victim becoming an abuser themselves. So it becomes this systemic uh, generational problem. So I think that by placing the death penalty on the books in every state, uh, that this is a worthwhile deterrent to ensure that perhaps people are going to think twice about doing this because I mean, even even if it's there, I have to be honest, I think that people are still going to be uh, they're going to be led to do this stuff because it's a much deeper problem than simply just cutting someone's nuts off or uh, uh, or giving them the death penalty. But, you know, I've said that before, too. I think that uh, castration is a, a good idea, uh, at least in the instance of the one being castrated. You know, they'll never rape a child ever again. So from the co-sponsors of the bill, they said there is a dark, deep, there is a deep, dark, dark side in our culture, and it's our job to protect children. There are times when things are so wicked, the retribution is appropriate, underlining the need for the death penalty for people who rape children. So the bill states the legislation amends Idaho codes 18 to 1508 and 192515 to allow the sentence of capital punishment for a person convicted of lewd conduct with a minor if the said minor is under the age of 12 and there are aggravating circumstances. Upon conviction, a jury will make the decision of whether to implement the death penalty. A judge may decide the sentence if a jury is waived by the defendant. So 
It uh, aims to address lewd conduct with minors under the age of 16 for Bill 1508 and then under 12 uh, for 2515. So this legislation prohibits any lewd or lascivious acts upon uh, upon or with a minor child under 12 years of age. That includes genital to genital contact and oral to genital contact. These amendments highlight the state's commitment to safeguarding the well-being and innocence of minors from harmful behaviors. So um, I think this is a great thing Uh, and it needs to it needs to be seriously considered and put into action in a number of other states. Now, you may not think that this is uh, death penalty worthy, but I I have to be honest, I, I love animals in the same way that I love people. And I think that people who abuse animals are also are, are also worthy of capital punishment, to be perfectly honest with you. And uh, several months ago, I reported on this professor from Penn State. He was a distinguished professor, someone uh, of the, uh, the the Pennsylvania upper crust, the, the Pennsylvania uh, elites uh, of that society. Certainly he was an elite in uh, terms of the uh, um, the academic world. Right. He was caught on video raping his dog, and he was initially charged with animal cruelty. Certainly, at the very least, he should not be able to own animals. But I think there's a special place in hell for people who rape children or animals. Uh, Thank you very much, too. Is that uh, cutting stuff? Is that cutting stuff? Thank you very much. I appreciate you, man. Uh, Now, and actually, I I need to get Ko-Fi pulled up over here so that I can actually... Uh, read these aloud because I wasn't aware of this at first, but there are messages that go along with this and posts. Okay. Mm, How do I get there? Gosh. Okay. My supporters. No, there it is. Okay. All right. So, uh, Bill, 7048 says, thank you, Zach, for all you do. Best to your mom and your girlfriend. Thank you so much. Uh, Jeff said earlier, I said I passed by RP and was wrong to do so. He is real and logical. Wanted to back it up. Well, thank you very, very much, Jeff. I really appreciate you, buddy. Uh, Back it up with my wallet, he said. Thanks, Zach, and to girlfriend. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. So anyways, this guy has been charged with additional things. It turns out there are additional videos of him sticking uh, uh, tree branches uh, up his rear end, lollipops as well. Uh, his name is Themis Matsukis, and the animal cruelty charges have now been added to uh, as the case has developed and emerged in a new way. It has truly escalated with this new footage that shows him inserting a tree branch and a lollipop into his anus in a public park. Now, the other thing about this is we don't know if there were children present at this public park. And why was he in a public park performing acts like this? I mean, why do you stick a tree branch up your rear end to begin with? Uh, I mean, the, 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 the lollipop, that's even worse. I mean, imagine what, what if he was planning to be seen by a child and then give them that lollipop without actually uh, or without them knowing? I mean, there's all kinds of things going on here that are just indecent in every single way. But it appears that he had been doing this for quite some time. And now as a result of it coming to light, he has been charged. And uh, I hope that he gets every single punishment that could possibly be coming to him. 
Uh, he's been a long-standing member of the faculty at Penn State since 1991, and now, of course, he's lost his job. Uh, and I guess they went back as far as 2014 to see if they could find videos of this guy uh, doing this kind of sick stuff. Uh, so uh, goodbye, farewell, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. All right, so let me also just real quickly say thank you to Dina. Good to see you, Dina. Zach and Lisa, I appreciate you and what you do more than you know. Thanks for everything. Much love. So good to see you, Dina. Thank you very, very much. Appreciate the support. Honey, it's getting real hot in here. Would you do me a favor and turn the air conditioning on? All right, so we have new information. Do you guys remember uh, the deposition in 2015, the CEO of Dominion Voting Systems, John Poulos, I covered this uh, contemporaneously at the time. He testified in the Michigan Senate Oversight Committee hearing uh, where he was asked about Dominion voting machines that were specifically used in the Michigan election there in November of 2020. So while he was in the Senate hearing uh, and he got sworn in, Uh, It turns out that the chair of the Senate Oversight Committee, Mr. Senator Ed McBroom, was the first person to speak to Dominion CEO John Poulos. Now, uh, Mr. Poulos was asked immediately if Dominion voting machines were connected to the Internet. I'm sure you remember that Mr. Poulos immediately explained that the voting machines are designed to be connected to the tabulator. And so Mr. Broom asked if for some reason the locals were to have that computer connected to the World Wide Web and also connected to the tabulator. Is there something in that software that it would get shut down or something at that point? Would it be able to continue to operate? What is the security protocol at that point? And Mr. Poulos appeared to point to the locals as the responsible parties for determining if the machines were indeed connecting to the Internet. First and foremost, he began, the complete security that is under the control of the local authorities. That is paramount. Now, if that's true, it would appear that he's saying it's up to the local election officials in each polling place to ensure the security of those voting machines. Uh, Now, the response that John Poulos gave uh, begs the question, let's just say hypothetically, uh, what if there were locals, i.e. people responsible for the security of those election equipments? What if those locals were like, I don't know, let's say hostile towards one of the candidates or not? Uh, What if, you know, they were like the TCF Center employees Uh, who on election day in 2020, they kicked out Republican poll minders and told them that they couldn't be anywhere near where the counting was taking place. What if one of these local election officials either had a vested personal interest or perhaps a monetary interest in ensuring that one candidate over another was the one who actually got elected? Uh, And I tend to believe that the situation I'm describing was likely what actually took place on Election Day in all the swing states. In every state where we have voting results, election results that are under some type of question or uh, uh, circumstance. Now, what if these individuals overseeing the elections were not interested in protecting the security of the machines? Well, by Mr. Poulos's own words, if those circumstances that I describe 
were true, were real in any polling place, you have someone who's a bad actor. They're responsible for the security of the election equipment. They connect to a tabulator. That tabulator then connects to the Internet. They're the ones who would have to stop it. Doesn't that sound backwards? Doesn't that sound like how it's not supposed to work? I thought Mr. Poulos had said that this election equipment never connected to the Internet. It was not supposed to connect to the Internet. So when Michigan Senator Pete Lucido began questioning Mr. Poulos, he asked if Dominion has any way to access any of that equipment on their machines from a remote location. So the Dominion president said no. Now, Senator Lucido continued to press Mr. Poulos, the CEO of Dominion Voting Systems, asking about the purpose of the USB ports on the machines. Why are the USB ports there? He asked for clarification about the types of machines that Senator Lucido was referring to. And then Senator Lucido clarified by saying he was speaking specifically about the touchscreen voting machines. And John Poulos said, well, yes, there is. He added that the touchscreen voting machines are just an expensive, fancy pen. Mr. Poulos clarified that the electronic pen does not tabulate votes. Well, I guess two weeks ago, during an election security trial in a federal courthouse down there in Georgia, you might remember that University of Michigan professor Alex Halderman revealed shocking news that election machine security vulnerabilities existed and specifically on Dominion voting machines equipment because he was able to demonstrate how easy it is to flip votes, how easy it is to manipulate and tamper with an electronic voting machine. He used a a Bic pen and a $10 smart card. That's all he needed was a pen and a smart card, a fake $10 voter card that he had pre-programmed, or he could use a $100 USB device, plug it into that USB port that the senator had mentioned at that uh, hearing back in 2020, and as long as it's connected to a printer, he could then rewrite the touchscreen's code. So this stunning example of election insecurity that J. Alex Haldeman was able to demonstrate, it proves just how easily these machines can be manipulated. And of course, it raises uh, a vast number of questions about the reliability, the safety and the security of voting equipment that is made not only by Dominion Voting Systems, but also ESNS, Smartmatic, any of these companies that create electronic voting machine Hardware. Now, there was another exchange on that same date uh, during the Senate Oversight Committee where Representative McDonald also had a chance to question uh, CEO Poulos. He said, is it possible for a recorded value either locally or remotely? And Mr. Poulos said, no, not to my knowledge, it's not. But even if it were, they certainly wouldn't be able to do it undetected because there's supposed to be a log, right? And he added that it would leave a trail. There would be several checks and balances within that machine, which would then detect whether or not any such manipulation had happened. And he concluded by saying, which, of course, I don't think we can. You don't think we can or do you know that you can't? Well, uh, Senator McDonald then asked if it's possible that votes could be manipulated by perhaps inserting a USB drive into those Dominion tabulators. Now, Mr. Poulos, he was also not too clear about this one. He said, no, I don't think so. Even if it was, it would be detected. Well, here's the question. Detected by whom? And what exactly did Mr. Poulos mean when he said he didn't think so? Because earlier in the questioning, he had said, well, 
that security is up to the people at that particular location. So again, if we had a bad actor who could control perhaps the code or the number of votes that were being tabulated or any of the relevant data on any of those pieces of election machines, it sounds like actually the answer is they could. So Mr. Poulos lied really at the end of the day, but you see, he was able to wiggle out of it because he didn't give a yes or a no. He didn't say conclusively one way or the other. He said, I don't think so. I don't think so. He couldn't guarantee whether or not it could happen. And let me just say this. When it comes to elections, when it comes to these machines, these very, very sophisticated machines, why can't they just make it so they can't? That's a facetious question. I know why they don't do it. Uh, There's got to be a reason why they don't want to do it. Well, In early 2023, another attorney by the name of Michael J. Smith, he called a Macomb professor, Peter Lucido's office. He wanted to request a meeting with this office because his client, Michael Lewis Butts, was making a perjury complaint to the Macomb County Sheriff Wickersham. On the 29, excuse me, on the 9th of December, 2023, Macomb County prosecutor Peter Lucido contacted Mr. Michael J. Smith via phone. And he left a message. He said, Mike, Pete Lucido, I got your message. When I was in the Senate on the Oversight Committee, we did Dominion. It was published and recorded, and it should be online. The president of Dominion testified, and so did his engineer or software maker. And the questions were centered around whether or not there was access to the Internet on these machines that Dominion made. He said no, and it was a lie. So. This report about perjury, I'm assuming it must have been about John Poulos, the CEO of Dominion Voting Systems. Now, on the 5th of January this year, Sheriff Wickersham got that complaint. And in that complaint to the Macomb County Sheriff, Michael Butts explained how, in his opinion, the Secretary of State of Michigan and the Bureau of Elections under under the direction of Jonathan Brader, who is also the chair of ERIC, that organization that is supposed to be cleaning up the voter rolls, but in all actuality, just tabulates the number of bad votes that shouldn't be there and then keeps them off to the side until they need to use them. Uh, They are under contract with the state of Michigan to clean up the voter rolls. They haven't done that. I don't believe that they plan to do it. Somebody else needs to do it. But it is his assertion that they obstructed and prevented the township and city clerks from performing their lawful duty to transparently conduct elections through the use of complicated electronic voting systems and unlawful election policies and directives. So, in addition, he is demanding full transparency in Michigan's elections. I personally don't think it's too much to ask. I asked for the same thing when I still live there. He's looking for truthful testimony from election software and equipment vendors because it's critical for Michigan Township and city clerks, county clerks, senators, and other public officials to identify potential election system problems. That way they can implement appropriate solutions to mitigate risks to election integrity. Now, again, I think it's pretty obvious why they haven't done this yet. Well, it's 2024. You know, they, they can make a, 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 a an injectable shot that will turn you skinny. You're going to drop 30 pounds in four weeks, but they can't figure out how to make a secure voting machine that actually adheres to the mandated safety protocols and regulations. Now, the only reason that they would keep this stuff insecure, they would obfuscate 
the information surrounding it, uh, whether or not it can be hacked, is because they want to make sure that you can. They keep it intentionally vague. They keep it intentionally obscured by smoke and mirrors. That way, when they need to, they can go ahead and cheat. Now, Mr. Butts has demanded an investigation into the crime of perjury specifically related to Mr. Poulos' testimony while he was under oath. Remember, he has on tape, on his voicemail, the former Michigan State senator who questioned Mr. Poulos under oath and who admitted to the fact that Mr. Poulos lied because he knows that those machines are connected to the Internet. He knows that it's possible to flip votes. He stated, I have reviewed the Senate testimony of Mr. Poulos, and I have concluded that he failed to provide accurate and transparent information to the senators. Poulos committed perjury. No one, not even the CEO of Dominion Voting Systems, should be above the law. And I'm asking that your office take immediate action to enforce the law, investigate the perjury statements, and charge Mr. Poulos with perjury. Now, if you go to the second page of this complaint, uh, we have this letter from Mr. Butts to the sheriff, and he shared an example of how important it is for law enforcement to understand the significance of Mr. Poulos's testimony. Uh, I also just want to say that this is an excellent example of someone taking the initiative and going to a local jurisdiction, a constitutional sheriff, someone who would have jurisdiction over this and who can actually file charges. Now, I want to say that if something doesn't happen, it's probably because that sheriff or whoever that law enforcement agency or official is, they're probably corrupt. And it doesn't mean that you should stop the efforts, though. But Mr. Butts said Dominion was forced to disclose in Williamson, Tennessee, that its source code was defective and the Dominion voting systems did not accurately tally the votes. And was that Williamson, Tennessee? I, I, you know, I, I, seen, I know that uh, there was a, an issue down in Williamson, Texas as well, but either way. So Mr. Poulos testified in front of that Senate Oversight Committee held in Lansing, Michigan, uh, located in Ingham County. And former Senator Pete Lucido is now the prosecutor of Macomb County. So that makes it possible for Mr. Lucido, uh, since he was the person who the alleged perjury took place right in front of, uh, to actually take the initiative and make sure that something gets done, that Mr. Poulos receives some sort of charges. So the Macomb County prosecutor, Pete Lucido, would have to be considered a witness in this case. But him actually presenting the evidence as a witness, uh, that adds a certain level of credence and authenticity to the claims that Mr. Butts is making. So uh, the perjury committed by John Poulos uh, has now been sent to the Lansing chief of police, Ellery Sosby, for investigation. Now, I have no idea what kind of a man Ellery Sosby is. But in his letter to the city of Lansing chief of police, Mr. Butts said that he was asking for the Lansing Police Department to assign a criminal complaint number to his request for an investigation. And he explained that he initially filed this complaint first in Macomb County, but he was told he needed to file it in Lansing because that's the proper jurisdiction. That is where the perjury actually took place. However, he also explained that because he was involved in litigation against the secretary of state, Jocelyn Benson, a big friend of George Soros and A.G. Dana Nessel in another matter, he believes it would be a conflict of interest for the Lansing Police Department to turn this case over to the AG's office. And as we know, the AG is probably not going to do anything when it comes to investigating or prosecuting election fraud in the state of Michigan, because we saw in the wake of that 2020 election in uh, Muskegon County with GBI strategies, 
not only the secretary of state, but the state police and also the Muskegon police and also the FBI. They all knew about it and they all chose to do nothing. So the question they're asking is, was the testimony from Mr. Poulos accurate? Uh, I would say that it's inaccurate because it's obvious that those election machines are not secure. It's a known quantity. It's been known for a long time, since before the 2016 election, that election machines are insecure. The message that was sent over to the Macomb County prosecutor uh, certainly believes that Mr. Poulos was not being honest. And I uh, believe that there is an additional investigation uh, that is maybe going to take place in the U.S. House of Representatives. We still do have the majority, even if it is very slim. But this same information has been sent over to Jim Jordan because Jim Jordan is, of course, on the House Judiciary Committee. He is they, he is being asked to subpoena John Poulos as well as Eric Coomer. I guess Eric is no longer implied by Dominion Voting Systems. And then also uh, former Senator Pete Lucido, who was the one who actually asked the question in the first place. So if we get a hearing on the safety and security of Dominion Voting Systems or any other election-related equipment here in America at the federal level, you guys, uh, it's going to be a game changer. So I hope you're paying attention and I hope that you are ready uh, to see where this goes, because as it stands right now, it is looking pretty exciting to me because oftentimes in election years, those are the times when people with the ability will decide to take action. Fredo Awakening says, what's up with Penn State? Yeah, what is up with Penn State? Uh, they had that Sandusky shower thing, and now there's tree branch butt pirate effed up school. <laughs> oh. uh, Stalky Rhubarb, are you falling asleep on your keyboard? If that's the case, does uh, Glenn, I do need new glasses, I'll be honest. I just need new lenses. <clears throat> I just need new lenses, but uh, eventually I'll get them. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Bidenomics, because Bidenomics, as far as we are concerned, is not a, a friendly word. It's not a good word. Uh, and all the research indicates that as a catchphrase, it's hurting Joe Biden. Well, I think it's about to get a little bit worse. You know, they have uh, consistently touted their jobs numbers and the unemployment numbers. Um, but the thing is, it turns out that all jobs that have been recovered post-pandemic under Joe Biden's administration, his regime, turns out that they went to foreign-born workers, and that also includes illegals. We know that millions of illegals, perhaps tens of millions of illegals, have been allowed through the porous southern border since Joe Biden came into power. So this is coming from the Center for Immigration Studies. All employment growth has gone to the foreign-born. 183,000 fewer U.S.-born Americans are working than was working in 2019 before the pandemic. But the number of immigrants, both legal and illegal, working is up 2.9 million over 2019. So if we compare the fourth quarter of 2019 to the fourth quarter of 2023, we show that 2.7 million more people are working in the United States. That's 2.9 million more immigrants, both legal and legal, and 183,000 fewer Americans. 
So the pandemic and the recession that hit as a result of COVID, uh, or rather the response to COVID, it put a lot of people out of work. Uh, now, the other really insidious part of it is that even the people who are working today, just because they're working doesn't mean they're making as much money as they were before they lost their original job. Doesn't mean that they're not working at more than one job either. Uh, you have a lot of that going on. People being forced to work multiple gigs because not only are they making less, but they're also spending more on everything. So the more people you have working at jobs, the better that is for the job numbers. But it doesn't mean that it's better for the average American person. Uh, and certainly it is going to be better for the illegals that come to the United States and make less than an American, but more than they would if they were still living in Honduras, El Salvador or Venezuela. So uh, these numbers are rock solid. And I think that it explains in part uh, one of the factors in terms of why these people have been let through the border. You know, this is essentially a gift to Joe Biden's corporate donors. What it means is that with all of these illegals and legals getting jobs over Americans, they're going to be willing to work for less. So even though everything costs more, uh, even, you know, the, the material, raw materials for goods are going to cost more for these corporations. Uh, they want to make as much as possible. So the only thing that they can do is either a fire people, which they did, uh, or they can hire people at a lower rate. And you better believe that's exactly what they've done. Uh, so clearly some people in the United States are benefiting greatly right now. It just doesn't happen to be us. Um, two, two, two. Okay. So I will, wow. There's a lot of, uh, donations over on pilled. Thank you guys. So I'll, I'll read those in a second. looks like a bunch of people are getting, um, memberships. Appreciate you guys. Okay. So speaking of illegals yesterday, uh, secretary of Homeland security or DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas was finally actually impeached. I guess the third time is the charm. Now, what was different about it this time? Well, it was uh, by one vote and Steve Scalise returned to work. I don't know what he was doing. Sounds like maybe he might have had surgery or something. I know he's been battling cancer, if I'm not mistaken. But because Steve Scalise returned, it allowed for Republicans who had put forward Alejandro Mayorkas uh, for the impeachment it uh, it was able to pass. Now, this is actually pretty historic. And I, I saw people online just saying, you know, what's the big deal? Who cares? You know, I know that some uh, a cabinet level position hasn't been impeached for something like 200 years or something like that, maybe a little bit less. Uh, but he's never going to be convicted in the Senate. Well, you know, don't speak too soon. You never know what's going to happen unless you try. So they have been able to pass this through. Alejandro Mayorkas has now been impeached in the House. He will now go to trial in the Senate, and that will give the uh, Republicans in the Senate the opportunity to present evidence as to why he deserves to have been impeached and now to be convicted of high crimes and misdemeanors. You'll be able to look at every single crime that was committed by an illegal alien since Joe Biden came into office and lay it at the feet of Mayorkas and the Biden regime. Jim Kyle says, I had to get a hamburger for myself, but you need to eat chicken. 
Uh, I prefer hamburgers. I got to be honest. I was just telling Lisa the other day. I mean, we we used to eat more like a, a greater variety of beef, but we've just been eating hamburger because it's so cheap. I mean, it's cheaper than other kinds of beef. Uh, Andre says, Zach, is there any word on Lloyd Austin's condition? Uh, from what I understand, he was released from the hospital yesterday, but I, I don't think he's out of the woods yet. From what I heard, I believe his deputy still has the authority. Uh, so he is resting up. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, if, it, if it gets to be another week out and Austin is admitted to the hospital once again, uh, then pff, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if he's going to survive. I don't know if he's going to be able to go back to doing the job. I mean, not that he was doing the job all that well in the first place. OK, hold on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the reason I need new glasses is because these are all scratched up and I'm doing my best to get them clean, but they just keep getting worse. Yeah. Okay. So obviously with a, a one vote margin to get this impeachment through, it's it's not a mandate, certainly not from Congress. Um, but I feel that there is a certain psychological importance for the American people. Now, go back to when President Trump was impeached twice. The Democrats knew that they were never going to be able to convict him in the Senate. Uh, they knew that by uh, they, they knew that by passing the impeachment at best, what they were going to get was talking points. They were going to get uh, a, a news cycle. And of course, the the liberals out there or even the rhinos, they would use it as a, a, a sticking point to go after Donald Trump. Now, the entire the the the, the disastrous. The disastrous nature of Joe Biden's regime thus far has been underscored and uh, encompassed by one thing and one thing only, and that is the problem at the border. We can look at the problems taking place all around America, and we can say with relative certainty it's as a result largely of what's been taking place at the border. Now, you have to continue that story. You have to move that story forward so that something will be done about it. They need to understand how important it is to the American people to demand safety, security, etc. Now, even if Alejandro Mayorkas won't be convicted in the Senate, the tale of his impeachment, the first in nearly 200 years, uh, taking place at the hands of uh, Republicans who are the only ones standing up for the people, that has power. Okay, it's not always about just getting a conviction, although you want that, right? I just want people to remember that there is a certain psychological component that goes along with continuing that narrative for as long as you possibly can, because this is going to lead into uh, November. Uh, you, you better believe that this story and the discussion around it will encompass Joe Biden's campaign as we get closer to Election Day in November. Now, of course, Biden is upset about that. I would imagine that he understands that even if Mayorkas is not going to be convicted, uh, it still looks bad for his administration. And let's just say, what if Mayorkas is convicted? I mean, imagine what happens if there are enough Democrats whose constituents reach out to them and say, we want you to convict Mayorkas. We want you to remove him so that they'll begin to enforce the laws, so that they will begin to enforce their oath to the Constitution, so that me and my family will be safe. 
there are the reason the Democrat Party is collapsing right now and why the candidates and the representatives and, and senators do not have the support that they normally would is because of the border. Because they don't want to do anything about the border. They care about illegals. They don't care about Americans. And again, there is a lot of power in that meme right there. So the fact that this razor thin margin was able to indict and impeach a sitting secretary on Joe Biden's cabinet uh, is is quite powerful indeed. Uh, so I guess it was closer to 150 years, 150 years. You just you, you, you can't overstate the importance of that. Uh, now, let me give you some firsthand testimony. And uh, I want to talk about a situation that a, a representative um from uh, from Arizona uh, went through because uh, I had told you guys previously about flying through Phoenix Sky High Sky Harbor Airport and I was on a plane full of illegals. OK, we're going to learn about the lid getting blown off of that. But Representative Tom Tiffany, uh, he went into the airport because he had learned about this holding area for illegals that were then being farmed out on flights all around the country. Not only that, but they're not checking for IDs. Uh, they don't look for passports. They don't even ask for like any sort of proof of identification. If you're an illegal and you come into that airport, you basically get a free ticket anywhere that you want to go. So this was actually in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, so I guess a Border Patrol agent came forward to uh, the the, uh, the representative and told him that illegals were turning themselves in at ports of entry because they were aware that they would get a free ticket to basically go anywhere, a free pass to go anywhere they wanted to inside the continental United States, maybe even to Alaska and Hawaii. But I don't think that Hawaii is letting too many of these illegals show up. So Representative Tiffany told the Gateway Pundit in Whitewater, Wisconsin, in the southern part of the state, uh, there is a population of 15,000. People. They have 1,000 illegal immigrants in their community, and they don't know how to deal with it. They don't have the money to deal with this situation. And how in the hell did they get all the way to Wisconsin? Well, I'll tell you, they went to an airport. They went and turned themselves in to one of Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas's agents, and then they got a free freaking ticket to go someplace else. You also better believe that the Biden regime has been pretty evenly spreading these people out all throughout the entire United States. So just one morning you wake up and boom, you're full of illegals. You've got illegals all over the place. Like when I went to Walmart two weeks ago, couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Uh, fully 50% or more of the people that were shopping there, and there was a lot of freaking people there, way more than I've ever seen. They were all non-natives. They were people who could not speak English. They They were... Not people I had ever seen before. So, like, where the hell did they come from? Where the hell are they staying? How did they get here? Probably through the Biden regime. So, Representative Tom Tiffany and Doug Malfa uh, stopped at a secret Casa Elitis illegal immigrant housing compound in Tucson, Arizona. They wanted to see exactly how all of these funds were being used. Now, Casa Elitis is also the same compound where James O'Keefe and O'Keefe Media Group infiltrated, and we spoke about that here on the show about a week ago. Uh, so there was obviously a, a lukewarm reception once they realized that these guys were government officials, 
that they were coming to investigate. Uh, they did not want them there, and they told them that they couldn't film, and, and they kicked them out. Uh, so if we go to specifically Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport, we've got more airline employees uh, that have been speaking out. Uh, also, the TSA agents working there have also spoken out. Apparently, there are so many illegals coming through uh, that it's almost impossible to deal with. Now, I didn't say it when I flew on this flight completely filled up with illegals, but they did not smell good. OK, it was obvious that they had been wearing the same shoes and the same clothes for some time. And uh, that was actually one of the uh, the things that these agents working at the airport said, you know, it was a really eerie experience. And I didn't want to be sitting there and just assuming where these people were coming from or what they were doing. But they all got on at the same time. All right. It was a giant group of people and none of them sat together. There were two guys sitting next to me. There were a couple of kids sitting a couple of rows up, and uh, there was just a whole ton of people on this airplane. And I, I assumed they were probably part of this migrant smuggling program, but I didn't know for sure. But it's been confirmed for me because we have officials at Phoenix Sky Harbor who came forward uh, to say that, yeah, uh, this is actually happening. It, this one is a Border Patrol agent at Lukeville, Arizona. And uh, and he did confirm that if you get to a border agent, they'll get you to an airport and you'll have the opportunity to go wherever the hell you want inside the continental United States. Uh, and again, this is the plan that the Biden regime has concocted. They get to make their corporate overlords happy, the donors, and then they also maybe get an opportunity to get these people to vote come November. And if they can vote come November you better believe they're going to be told to vote for the Democrats. Now, uh, I told you guys also a couple of days ago about a situation where a uh, a suburban Boston family had seen an advertisement from the state of Massachusetts about uh, hosting migrant families. And so they went online, they filled out the application and boom, 45 minutes later, they get a call. The state representative said, hey, guess what, guys? It's your lucky day. We've got a family of four and they need a place to stay. Now, you better believe they've got people waiting in the wings. Uh, they've got people sleeping in the airport. I think it's Logan International Airport. You got people sleeping on the streets. Uh, it, it's a really bad situation. Well, there's another instance of this, and I'm sure that we're going to see these stories uh, popping up a lot. And to be frank, I'm worrying about uh, when this is going to start to go bad. Uh, where are these families going to go? How long are they planning to stay there? If they don't speak English, how how likely do you think it is that they're going to get a job that's going to allow them to move into a home in a suburban Boston neighborhood? You know, I mean, where are they going to go? Are squatters rights going to apply? What happens if you go to the grocery store and you come home? And the illegal alien family you've allowed to live at your home for the last four months gets the locks changed. And they have a fake contract that's written up that says, oh, my host family gave me this house. The police can't remove them. And do you think the courts, the liberal courts on the East Coast are going to kick those families out? Or are they going to give the uh, displaced homeowners uh, the benefit of the doubt? I, I don't think so. I, probably not. 
So anyways, in this instance, uh, this was reported by WBUR, and this woman had a family come and stay with her, and and she said something really interesting. She said that it was like having a live-in chef because it was a, a, a black family from Haiti. And, you know, I, I started thinking, this is almost like the Democrats are reinstituting a form of indentured servitude. It's like uh, the 21st century version of slavery. It's in vogue now to have a migrant family stay with you and do the chores for you. Well, it's only fair you're giving them a place to stay. Why don't you just cook me dinner? Why don't you just run the vacuum cleaner for me? You know, I mean, uh, and these people, if they end up staying there for a significant period of time, you know, are, are they going to be treated as well as the dem- Democrats and the libtards would have you believe they are? Uh, or are they going to become some form of second class citizen who gets free room and board to do everything that the white liberal uh, housewife would have them do? Uh These are questions that I think are fair to ask, but I felt like it was just kind of bad form to suggest that it was essentially a a quid pro quo relationship where the host family gets free labor in exchange for room and board. I don't know. Am I out of line here, guys? Am I out of line? Because it feels to me like the Democrats are just trying to reinstitute slavery by another name. So I don't know. You let me know. All right. The real problem here, again, is the the priorities are completely out of whack for our elected officials, whether it's the rhinos like John Cornyn here uh, or the Democrats like perhaps Chuck Schumer. Uh, I don't care what letter they have next to their name. They are fundamentally misunderstanding the mandate that the people of the United States have for them in terms of what we actually want. All we want is we want our liberty, we want our freedom, we want safety, we want security, and we want the right and the ability to provide for our families. Beyond that, you can get the hell out of my life. I don't need you for anything. As far as I'm concerned, the government can shrink to a panel of 10 people. All right. Allow local communities to take care of their needs, allow local communities to pass laws and uh, to implement them. We don't need the federal government. And that has been so accurately and succinctly put into focus by the situation at the southern border. Because instead of securing that southern border, they've allowed all these people to come in. What have they focused on? They focused on wars in other nations. They focused on funneling billions of dollars to places like Ukraine, places like Israel, places like Gaza. That's where they want to put their money. That's where they want to put our money. I'm sorry, because their money is staying in their bank accounts or their Swiss numbered accounts. But John Cornyn, uh, he attempted to shame Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, because Ken Paxton has a problem with this recent vote, the Ukraine funding bill that had originally been a border funding bill, and they tried to sneak the Ukraine and Israel stuff in there. But then when they realized that the American people weren't having it, they just took the border stuff out anyways, and they passed it. And it's much larger than what they originally wanted to pass. We're talking instead of a $60 billion package, which included money for the border, 
They made it a $95 billion package, which only includes aid for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. So they basically said, American people, F you. If you won't give us the $40 billion we want for Ukraine and Taiwan and Israel, we'll more than double it. And we'll allow you to remain an insecure and unsafe nation flooded with illegal immigrants in every single community. They went from 60 billion, which included 20 for the border, to 95.3, which includes no money for the border. What a slap in the face. What an absolute betrayal of the American people. They don't need additional money. They don't need additional power. They have everything they need to secure the border right now. But this is exactly why Alejandro Mayorkas has been impeached, because they had every tool they needed. Remember, the the Department of Homeland Security didn't exist until after 9-11. They told us that all we need is for a brand new federal agency with thousands of new employees and billions of dollars in budget. And we'll keep you safe. We'll make sure no big old meanie is going to come across that border. We'll make sure no terrorists come and attack the homeland ever again. And what did they do? The exact freaking opposite. They just took more of our money. They just took more of our liberty. And instead, then they blame us for the problems. So... Ken Paxton blasted John Cornyn on X uh, because he sent this vote along with a bunch of other rhinos to just hand over $95 billion to more sinkholes and uh, black craters in Ukraine rather than fixing the border, rather than keeping their constituents safe. He said this is a question all Texans should be asking. It's unbelievable that John Cornyn would stay up at night to defend other countries' borders, but not America. Now, Cornyn, he saw this tweet because he pays attention, and he unleashed a series of nasty comments against Ken Paxton. He accused Paxton of pushing Russian propaganda, and he took multiple shots at the legal issues, which he successfully overcame because it was a witch hunt just like the one going after President Trump. It was led by rhinos and Democrats who wanted to see Ken Paxton silenced for having the courage to take on election security and so many more issues. So Ken Paxton has been one of the most based attorney generals, the most dedicated American patriots, actually fighting for causes that the American people hold dear to their hearts. Election integrity, safety and security, uh, standing up against the deep state bureaucrats of Washington, D.C. and the capital of Texas. So a lot of people took issue with John Cornyn smearing Ken Paxton, and uh, they let him have it. Uh, Now, what I'm hoping for is a challenger to John Cornyn. He's got until 2026. His reelection is in 2026. We need to catalog every single one of these rhino traitors who have turned their back on America and the people they're supposed to represent. We need to get rid of them. We need to get rid of every single one of them. Don Jr.'s paying attention. He suggests the same thing. (laughs) I've been asking for it for years. Let's get rid of the people who don't care about America. This is not a forever job. If you are elected to a position of public trust, you're there to represent the constituents, the people who cast their ballot for you. Anything other than that, anything less 
is a betrayal. Anything less is treasonous as far as I'm concerned. Why in the hell are you protecting Ukraine, John Cornyn? Everybody else in the Senate that voted for this package, why are you protecting Ukraine? Why are you protecting these other far-flung nations when at the same time you are allowing the, uh, the very country that you represent to crumble and fall? America, as it exists today, will not be here tomorrow because every single day, just a little bit more gets chiseled away as the next wave of illegal aliens pour through that border. It changes just a little bit. We got our work cut out for us, guys. I'm not saying we cannot restore it, but we need to admit and we need to let these people know we see you. We see exactly what you're doing. So we need to get rid of every single Republican rhino senator. That includes a whole list of people that you've probably considered before. Twenty two Republicans voted with the Democrats on the bills. I'm going to read them off. We got Senators John Boozman from Arkansas, Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia, Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, Susan Collins from Maine, John Cornyn from Texas, Kevin Kramer from North Dakota, Mike Crapo from Idaho, Joni Ernst from Iowa, Chuck Grassley from Iowa. Good God, Chuck. Sorry, bro. You're done. You've had your had your run. John Hoven from North Dakota, John Kennedy. Good God, John. I'm disappointed. Louisiana, Mitch McConnell from Kentucky, Jerry Moron from Kansas, Lisa Murkowski from Arkansas, James Risch from Idaho, Mitt Romney, who I am so ready to see go, Utah, Mike Rounds from South Dakota, Dan Sullivan from Arkansas, John Thune from South Dakota, Tom Tillis from North Carolina, Roger Wicker from Mississippi, and Todd Young from Indiana. As far as I'm concerned, every single one of you needs to find another job. There is no excuse, no excuse for you to be sending money to other nations when the America that you are elected to represent at this moment is crumbling around you. If you lie to the American people, then you don't deserve to hold your job. Simple as that. If you abdicate your responsibilities, you do not deserve to hold the job. If you're too stupid to wipe your own ass, you do not deserve to hold that job. Now, Chuck Schumer, another senator that uh, is not pro-America, he's getting in on the action of uh, conversation surrounding Joe Biden's inability to wipe his own butt. And he would have you believe that it's uh, right-wing propaganda. And I, I think that anybody who is uh, breathing, <clears throat> anybody with two eyes, even if you can't see, you can hear. You hear that Joe Biden is elderly and infirmed. It's not just about the age, guys. Remember that. You're only as old as you feel. You may be aged. You might have more years than somebody else. You might be older than somebody else. But that doesn't mean that you're in the spot that Joe Biden is. So Joe Biden has people like Senators Chuck Schumer and many others stumping for him, claiming that right-wing conspiracies, vast right-wing conspiracies are making the rounds. Well, he's not helping himself. Uh, he had a press conference earlier today. He actually showed up an hour late. And I just wanted to play this brief clip for you because 
It's clips like this that convince us that Joe Biden is not fit to hold office. Good afternoon. Before we begin, I'm going to make this statement that it stand on its own. I'm not going to take any questions, but I'll be taking questions tomorrow and the next day. I'm not going to be taking any questions. I'll be taking questions tomorrow and the next day. He was an hour late, by the way. Control of Ukraine. He won't limit himself just to Ukraine. And the cost for America and our allies and partners are going to rise. For Republicans in Congress who think they can oppose funding for Ukraine and not be held accountable, history is watching. History is watching. History is watching. Failure to support Ukraine at this critical moment will never be forgotten. I want to be clear about something, because I know it's important to the American people. You don't know what's important to the American people. Tell me again, Joe, Joe, is is history watching? Because I believe you're right. History is watching. But we're not watching the people who are blocking, sending empty promises to Ukraine. We're not we're not watching those who are are sending our hard earned money and money that didn't exist until the moment that it was sent. We're not watching those people. We're watching the people who are voting to send that money. And the way it works is we supply Ukraine with military equipment from our stockpiles. And then we spend our money replenishing those stockpiles so our military has access to them. Stockpiles that are made right here in America by American workers. Is that like the only way that we can get Americans back to work? I think not. God bless you all. May God protect our speakers. And I promise I'll come back and answer questions later. Thank you. Sir, when Trump said that, sir, what did Putin hear? What's plan B if the speaker doesn't act? Sir, the He looks like his diaper's full. He just, uh, he, he's, he's not, he's, he's exactly the opposite of what they say he is. He's not sharp. He's not together. He's not on top of anything other than an ice cream sundae, perhaps. But here's the good news, guys, because House Speaker Johnson is actually listening to the American people, despite the fact that the Senate passed that slap in the face, a ninety five billion dollar slap in the face to the American people. Speaker Johnson is not going to allow that bill to come to the floor in the House. So that means that ninety five billion dollars is not going to be leaving the coffers of Americans. It's not going to be sent over to Ukraine to create more potholes. It's not going to be sent to Ukraine to create more empty, rubbished apartment buildings. It's not going to be sent to ensure that more Ukrainian men, women and children get sent to the meat grinder. It's not going anywhere. Speaker Johnson and the Republicans in the House are finally using the power that is inherent in the body that they serve to ensure that the issues that Americans are facing will truly be addressed. So this border security bill, which morphed into a giant sucking sound out of the American people's wallets, uh, uh, jumping from $60 billion to uh, $95 billion instead, it's not going anywhere. You know, we have sent uh, a, a, we have sent hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine at this point. I have no idea how much. We don't need to send any more. $95 billion is completely worthless. It's not going to do anything. I read something the other day. The Russians have, have lost so many thousands of tanks, and they can continue to lose at that rate for like the next five years. The Ukrainians can't. I mean, there's not going to be anybody left in Ukraine. Putin said that Ukraine is a satellite state of the United States. Hell, we might have to go live there 
because there's not going to be much left. So Speaker Johnson not bringing this bill to the floor is an excellent example of what politicians can do when they have the resolution and the mandate to do exactly what Americans want them to do. Uh, So let's go ahead and uh, take a listen uh, to a a couple of audio clips of Speaker Johnson discussing uh, his feelings on the border and the incredible response from the Senate. Let's take a listen. Uh, Regarding the border. You know, talk about the American people not being listened to. They are crying out to the Biden administration to secure the border. This is not a Republican issue. It's an issue for every single person, and everybody knows it. We know the stories of children being poisoned by fentanyl and cities being overwhelmed by migrant surges. We know House Republicans have shown that we are listening to and, and, and holding the administration accountable for this catastrophe. We're listening to the people. We're taking action to hold Biden accountable. Last night, the House voted to approve articles of impeachment against Secretary Mayorkas. Desperate times call for desperate measures. We had to do that. He has abdicated his responsibility, he's breached the public trust, and he's disregarded the laws Congress has passed. But but much more has to be done, of course, to secure the border. And what the Senate produced this week is silent on that issue. Senator McConnell and I have spoken about this in frank sessions, and let me be clear here again this morning. The Republican-led House will not be jammed or forced into passing a foreign aid bill that was opposed by most Republican senators and does nothing to secure our own border. It's time for Washington to start showing some love to Americans. On Valentine's Day, this is a good day to point this out. You need to listen to the American people and their needs and take action. And that's why House leadership will continue to govern with Americans' interests at heart. With that, I'll take Amen. You know, what a breath of fresh air to hear a politician in Washington, D.C. say those words. Show some love to the American people. And too incapable of being held accountable for a man too incapable of being held accountable for mishandling classified information is certainly unfit for the Oval Office. And everyone in this room, if you just ask yourself that question, you will come to the same conclusion. And that a man too. And that is Speaker Johnson's opinion on the state of the office of the presidency. Uh, He clearly is listening to the American people and what they're saying. And I have to believe that that's what the majority of the House and even probably the Senate believes on top of the majority of the American people. Now, it should not be any surprise that with the announcement that Speaker Johnson is not going to allow that bill to come to the floor, uh, we have a real example of a rhino, Mike Turner, uh, returning from a trip to Ukraine to visit with his good old friend, Volodymyr Zelensky. Uh, well, he's come back to give us a, a vague description of a threat, a serious national security threat, and it's related to Russia. What do you think the chances are that Mike Turner is returning from Ukraine with this nebulous idea to attempt to scare Washington, D.C. politicians into voting yes, into allowing that $95 billion Ukraine bill to come to the floor, then voting yes, so that we can hold off this vague Russian national security threat. He is the House Intelligence Chairman, and this serious national security threat that's related to Russia, uh, it hasn't been enumerated, hasn't been described in any way. And he went on CNN. Uh, Well, apparently it was leaked to CNN. 
but multiple sources familiar with the intelligence characterized it as very sensitive. Uh, it very well may be sensitive, but do I believe that there is a true national security threat to the American people from Russia? Hell no, absolutely not. Do I believe that there is a real present danger, a national security threat coming from the Washington, D.C. elites sitting in the Senate and the House? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You can't convince me that we're not in the midst of a serious national security threat right now. And it's not coming from Russia. Let me ask you this, guys. How many Russians, how many Russians do you think have crossed the border since Joe Biden waltzed into Washington, D.C. and gave Alejandro Mayorkas that cute feather pillow to sit on in his office, not doing anything like, I don't know, running the Department of Homeland Security or enforcing the laws of this country or even the Constitution, for that matter. From CNN, one of the sources who has seen the intelligence confirms that it is, in fact, a highly concerning and destabilizing Russian capability that we were recently made aware of. Uh Uh-oh. Do you think that Russia has the power to destabilize the United States of America any worse than Joseph Robinette Biden and his cronies in the administration have already done? I don't think so. I don't think it's much more possible to destabilize the nation than they've already done. So I don't think this is going to be enough to convince Mike Johnson or the other Republicans to allow this bill to come to the floor. Mike Turner, who is a notorious shill rhino, uh, speaking up on issues that benefit himself and his donors and whoever the, the global elite New World Order class is. Uh, that's what he's going to be referring to. Maybe there's a destabilizing effort on behalf of Russia to uh, to screw over the deep state. Yeah, and he thinks we we should be acting upon that uh, by, I don't know, siphoning 95 more billion dollars out of the pockets of American taxpayers. Uh, this is highly suspicious. I think it's garbage. I think it's BS. And I've seen this on so many occasions, I've seen this on so many occasions. Politicians act out of fear. OK, they get uh, they, they, they shoot they shoot something down that's going to be good for the deep state. And then the FBI or the CIA show up and, oh, we've got a classified briefing. We've got to tell you about this nebulous national security threat. The Russians are going to destabilize us. We can't tell you exactly how, but we can tell you you can save your country if you just vote yes on that $95 billion, which is going to end up in our pockets, which is going to end up helping to kill more people and not do a damn thing to keep America any safer. Once again, you want to keep America safe? Why don't you close that nebulous security threat at the southern effing border? I think that would do a lot more to keep us safe. I will tell you this, though. The senators were able to sneak one thing in that we weren't prepared for. One thing that we did not anticipate. They didn't want to put in money for the border. But what they did put money in for was for smuggling migrants across that southern border. You've got to be effing kidding me. They snuck $10 billion in new funding, which is specifically made to pay for humanitarian aid for these illegals. So essentially, the senators, Democrats and Republicans came together in a bipartisan fashion to siphon off another $10 billion so that they could hand it over 
to these coyote human trafficking pipelines to allow for the transfer of these illegals here into America. So this is $10 billion for vulnerable populations, uh, which would allow for the diversion of funds that would be used towards the funding of the smuggling of these migrants. Uh, So even if a lot of this money ends up getting used for, I don't know, moving Arabs out of the line and fire in Gaza, it's still going to be considered uh, at-risk populations. It could also be sent over to Ukraine. But I think that considering the fact that we know the Biden regime is propping up some of these interests uh, along that migration trail, would not surprise me if they used the funds to do just that. Uh, It appears back in August they asked for funds for safe mobility offices in several countries south of Mexico. So these would be offices that would specifically be intended to offer safe and supposedly legal pathways for economic migrants who would otherwise end up using the coyotes and the cartels to move them illegally into American society. Uh, They're also giving funds to the United Nations, uh, which is providing economic migrants with hard cash, money, uh, credit cards, uh, cell phones, that kind of thing. They got rest stops set up all along the way so that they can help illegals get here and uh, get here in the most comfortable way possible. Uh, How about helping out Americans get comfortable? How about ensuring that we have the ability to even make a living? No, no, no. Unfortunately, the, the federal government would rather ensure that you get shut down, that your ability to make money is uh, no longer available. And instead, they're going to choke the life out of you because they don't even want you alive, to be perfectly honest with you. They want you dead because you don't vote the right way. They want to make sure they've got somebody else who's going to be able to vote in your place. How many of those illegals that they've allowed into this country do you think are going to act as ballot mules again in this next election? Oh, here's another one. Uh, Yet another betrayal. This should shock no one. But apparently it was actually DHS Secretary Mayorkas who personally declined to give Robert F. Kennedy Jr., His request for Secret Service protection. I mean, of course, Joe Biden's not going to do it directly. But in March of 2023, RFK Jr. put that tweet out, letting people know the Biden regime had not provided his campaign with Secret Service protection. Uh, And this was after a number of different requests. At the time, it appeared to be completely ridiculous. Of course, his life is in danger. I mean, how many Kennedys have they murdered thus far? Uh, And since the first request, uh, I guess he's been denied Secret Service protection at least three separate times. And there was also a case where an intruder broke into his home and they still refused to provide Secret Service protection to a, a, a prominent national politician, someone who's running for president. There was also an armed man. You might remember this. I reported it here. He showed up with a U.S. Marshal's badge and a fake uh, federal ID. He was arrested at an RFK Jr. rally. And even then, the Biden regime refused to provide Secret Service protection. In the same way that they refused to make these election machines safe and secure, in the same way they refuse to close the southern border, in the same way they refuse to provide Secret Service protection to a candidate who could likely find himself assassinated. 
I mean, there's only one reason they're doing each and everything that they're doing, because they actually want those things to happen. So Judicial Watch is actually the one who found this out. It was Alejandro Mayorkas. He was too busy allowing illegal immigrants to come into the country. He was too busy funneling millions of dollars into these migrant centers south of the border and then figuring out where he's going to fly all of these illegals once they get to the United States. Of course, he was way too busy to take the time to approve Secret Service detail for RFK Jr. So it was announced uh, as a series of uh, pages released uh, by Judicial Watch from a, uh, a FOIA request that was made for Secret Service records directly through the Department of Homeland Security. And it shows Alejandro Mayorkas. He's the one who said, nah, we're not going to do that. We're not going to give presidential candidate RFK Jr., any Secret Service protection, he'll be fine. Tell him he'll be fine. Don't worry about it. That's completely ridiculous. I mean, who do you think that Alejandro Mayorkas did that on behalf of? I mean, obviously, he did it for Joe Biden. There's there's no other reason that makes sense. Here's another thing. Apparently, Mitch McConnell had the opportunity to pass a border plan bill that would have been good for America It had support in the Senate, and it looks like Americans would have supported it as well. Uh, But no, he would only vote on this if it included that extra tens of billions of dollars to go to foreign countries. So Ron Johnson, uh, I guess he was speaking about it in a Twitter spaces that was held uh, just last night. Very simply, when we entered this thing, McConnell, his top priority was funding for Ukraine. But public opinion and the very strong political rhetoric that we ought to secure our own border before we spend $60 billion to secure Ukraine's was effective. And so McConnell finally switched and said, okay, we got to let Democrats know we're serious. We're going to defeat cloture on this bill, and we're going to demand that border security is going to be attached to funding for Ukraine. Then secret negotiations occurred on on an issue that the public supports Republicans on. And we end up with this monstrosity of a bill. It's an immigration bill. It's not a border security bill. But during during that time frame, we repeatedly talked about making Ukraine funding contingent on border metrics. You know, just like performance measurements in in business, right? As, As the border was secured, you'd get $5 billion a month. I mean, we had it all laid out, had a proposal. It had a great deal of support in our conference, but what Mike pointed out is, unbeknownst to us at the time, McConnell told Langford, that's not even on the table. He, he, on his own, using his own authority, without telling the conference, even though he knew knew the conference supported tying border security or Ukraine funding to actually securing the border, McConnell just took that off the table. And that moment of leverage we had, where we could use Biden's desire for Ukraine funding to actually force him to use his executive authority to secure the border has been lost. And that is very simple. What a sneaky snake. What a sneaky snake. Mitch McConnell, Yertle the turtle. They had the opportunity. They could have done it. Okay, this is not new. I mean, this is great that we have Twitter spaces now and we're getting the inside baseball from people who are right there on the floor. But it's not new. This is the way politics has worked in Washington, D.C. for so long. You know, uh, several years ago, 
I remember when I first started, I said something to the effect uh, of, uh, you know, that we really do have a uniparty. You know, I mean, people may be Democrats, they may be Republicans, but that doesn't that doesn't tell you who they truly are inside. Doesn't tell you the things that they actually believe. I mean, just look at your life. Look at how many years you've been on Earth, how many years you've been paying attention to Washington, D.C. and politics. I mean, think about how many true wins the American people have had. And think about how many spectacular losses, how many kicks in the balls we've had over and over and over again. It's not because the Democrats are always in power. I mean, Republicans have been in power plenty of times. They just don't do anything that benefits the American people. They make sure that they benefit themselves and their foreign partners. What an excellent example of the uniparty apparatus in play. Mitch McConnell had the opportunity to fix the border with broad support from the conference and instead deep sixed it. I've got a series of stories of politicians doing just that. Apparently, during that interview with Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin, Vlad said that there was a peace deal. We were going to make peace with Ukraine and Boris Johnson took a piss on it. Well, I guess that Joe Biden did the exact same thing. This is another time. So there was an opportunity between the United States and Russia to potentially end this bloody conflict taking place between Ukraine and Russia. He could have outright dismissed one of the combatants peace proposals, and that's exactly what he did. This would be yet another foreign policy failure laid at the feet of Joseph Biden. So Putin had signaled to D.C. in 2023, both in public and then also privately through those intermediaries that he was talking about, that he was ready to open a ceasefire with Ukraine. He no longer wanted the bloodshed to go on. So his proposal was to freeze the war along the current lines, which would include the territory that has been gained by Russia since they entered Ukrainian territory. Uh, apparently, uh, this approach from Putin offered what a lot in the Kremlin believed was the best hope for some form of peace. But Biden and his regime rejected the proposal they didn't counter. They just said, no, screw you. The only thing we're going to accept is total destruction, total annihilation. We're going to take Putin out. That's not going to happen, though. <laughs> so here we are more than a year, two years later. There was another source coming out of Russia who explained that the Putin government insisted on involving Ukraine in any discussion regarding a possible ceasefire. Uh, this immovable position caused the collapse of the talks, and nothing else happened. So Joe Biden, in the same way that Mitch McConnell could have solved things, could have made America safer, Joe Biden could have made Ukraine safer. But of course, you know, there's the possibility that Vladimir Putin and the Russians might gain some territory that Joe Biden knows that we need, we need access to. Maybe there's records there. Maybe there's examples or evidence of the Biden crime family having done dirty deeds inside Ukraine. Maybe the CIA left something important behind and now the Russians have it. Well, we can't can't allow them to have that money. We can't allow them to have that land. We can't allow them to have that information. So Biden thumbed his nose at him, told him to go take a hike. We have finally come to the ultimate, the penultimate story of the day. 
And that is some brand new information coming out about the evidence available to us that we've been talking about for years, the plot to take down Donald Trump. I'm sure you guys will remember back in 2018, uh, we had theorized and reported that likely the Obama regime had begun the plot to destroy President Trump by using foreign spies to initially gain access to Trump and then to create this sort of uh, this self-repeating loop. OK, so President Trump had uh, also tweeted out support for this story. The mainstream media said, oh, that's preposterous. You know, we, we have to attack that. You know, it's a conspiracy theory. Why would the Obama regime need to reach out to foreign spies to entrap President Trump? If you also remember, uh, there was an article uh, that was released in 2018 that uh, was identifying unredacted words that had previously been redacted. So these were communications between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. These are the the ones who were having the affair. They were working at the FBI. They were pretty much front and center in the spying campaign on candidate Trump in the Spygate uh, crossfire hurricane. So the discovery of these now unredacted words came from a Twitter user who got removed from the platform. His name was Nick Falco. I remember following him at the time, and he had identified a word in a Senate text that the DOJ had redacted in another release. So this hidden information in that release by the Senate uh, in these uncovered text messages between Strzok and Page revealed to the world that the FBI are the ones who initiated the attempts to insert multiple spies into President Trump's campaign back in December of 2015. So we've known about this for a long time. Well, the rest of the world is finally catching up with us. What was that word? It's the word Oconus Lures. Do you guys remember that? Oconus Lures. So in December of 2015, we had the word Lures that was redacted by the FBI, but it was not redacted by the OIG. Oconus Lures. Oconus means outside the continental United States. And Lures in this context refers to spies. And with an S, that means multiple spies. That was essentially an admission in those communications that the FBI was either seeking to or had run baited sting operations using foreign agents against President Trump. And it would also indicate, considering the time, uh, that it had a fair amount to do with the ongoing and official investigation into President Trump. There was a problem because Obama had begun spying on Trump before the 2016 uh, election season. We knew that it began back in 2015, probably as soon as he walked down that escalator. And there was a retired assistant FBI director for intelligence by the name of Kevin Bach. Uh, Bach, or excuse me, Brock supervised an agency update to a longstanding set of rules within the bureau. What it did is it governed the use of sources while working under then director Robert Mueller. So the rules that were in place at that time would prohibit the FBI from directing a human source to perform espionage on an American until a formal investigation had been opened. You'd have to have paperwork. You'd have to have everything legal. So Brock was taking a look at the case, uh, Russia collusion case against President Trump. And he said he saw some strange things. 
He said these types of investigations are not normally run by assistant directors and deputy directors at headquarters. So all that happens normally in a field office, but that's not the case here. So it becomes a pretty big red flag. Congress would have legitimate oversight interests in the conditions and timing of the targeting of a confidential human source against a U.S. person. In this case, the confidential human source would be targeting President Trump. So the problem here is that James Comey lied about the start of the Trump surveillance operation when President Trump's campaign began to be surveilled. Now, that lie told under oath in Congress would be a case of perjury. That's against the law. Now, President Trump tweeted out back at the time that this was initially published, the mainstream media was not interested in this unprecedented and illegal act that was perpetuated by the Barack Obama administration. They were only interested in accusing President Trump of tweeting a conspiracy story. The fake news media denied the fact that spying on candidate Trump occurred despite evidence showing this happened and then slammed the president and the gateway pundit for posting tweets from Nick Falco. And very quickly after that, Nick Falco lost his account. Do you guys remember when it was a conspiracy theory that the Obama administration spied on President Trump? I definitely do. It's something that people just take for granted now. But for a long time, the mainstream media was covering for the FBI. They were covering for the Obama administration. Now, to this day, you're still probably going to find some libtards uh, out there who believe that Donald Trump colluded with Russia, that there was no spying by the Obama regime. But the truth is that there was. And most news outlets in CNN, NBC, MSNBC, CNBC, ABC, The New York Times, The Washington Post, all of them continued to perpetuate the real conspiracy theory that Donald Trump had somehow been working with Russia. And to this day, you still do not find any coverage about the fact that these O'Connor's lures were used to infiltrate the Trump campaign and that the only way they could have started considering the fact that they didn't begin at the local office level, is that they started at the top. They started with Obama. They went down to everybody below him. Remember when I was talking yesterday about Joe Biden's uh, contemporaneous notes that he took from presidential daily briefings? I mean, what do you think the chances are that they were talking about this stuff at the time that it was actually happening? I mean, it's pretty likely. In fact, I would go so far as to say it's 100% certain. So the DOJ and the FBI and the Obama administration were working together to ensure that this lure operation on President Trump took place back in 2015, not beginning in 2016. So we know that at the time that this began, uh, the uh, DOJ and uh, Bruce Orr uh, had a meeting with Christopher Steele in October of 2015. Steele, of course, is the guy who made the Steele dossier. It was the Steele dossier that was used to obtain the FISA warrant so that they could spy on the Trump campaign, also spy on the transition team, and then spy on the presidency. So based on the calendar appointment that we have from October 2015 and his testimony from his wife, Nellie Orr, who was a CIA agent, we know that Bruce Orr also lied in front of Congress. Or lied about the start date that Nellie Orr and Fusion GPS began their operation against President Trump. And then, of course, there was also the in the information that has now been released 
by Michael Schellenberger. He's reporting on it right now. You've got the other people who did the Twitter files. They're also reporting on it. Uh, It's news to them, but it's not news to us. We've known about this for a very long time. You know, I'm so glad that people are finally talking about it, but this still has not been widely reported by the mainstream media. So it all comes down to this. President Trump knew that he had been spied on. President Trump couldn't just come out and say it in the way that the the mainstream media would need to have it said in order to report on it. And so it was his belief, I believe, in the second term that he was going to use that information to finally bring these people to justice. So this is what takes us to the Mar-a-Lago raid. There is an indication, and there was at the time, I think we speculated on it right afterwards, that they must have been looking for something in particular. Well, uh, a new insider has stepped forward to say that that's exactly what happened. They were seeking this missing top secret binder. And in that binder, it revealed in its entirety the mission that Obama and John Brennan and his CIA had set up to insert these foreign spies that were secretly working for Obama and the CIA so that they could then set up the Russia collusion hoax. So this is a close that is sourced to a high profile investigation. So they've revealed that the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago was set up with one thing and one thing only recover that binder. This is a document that is rumored to contain all of the damning evidence against former President Barack Obama, against John Brennan, against his CIA, This is specifically about the initiation of this narrative to destroy Donald Trump. Now, I guess Jesse Waters actually did a report on this last night. And so I think we have a clip here. Yes, let's go ahead and listen to it. The food inside there is designed to last 25 years. This is your new go-to tool if you love Brand new details about how Obama's CIA targeted Trump and started the entire Russia hoax. For years, we were told that tips from an Australian diplomat tipped off the FBI after a random conversation with Papadopoulos, a no-name 20-something. Bullshit. But according to new reporting by Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi, the whole thing was a CIA setup. Former CIA director John Brennan identified 26 Trump associates to be targeted by the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance. And then those interactions were the targets and were targeted by the FBI. as. Okay, so to Michael Schellenberger's credit, there is new information in this reporting, but the bulk of it, the meat behind it, again, we already knew it. Donald Trump already knew it. We had it all. Donald Trump had it all. And this is why they had to go after Mar-a-Lago. And that's how the FBI launched the Russia collusion hoax. The details of this entire operation have been stored in a top secret binder in a secret room in Washington. Trump ordered the whole thing declassified. And now the rumor is that the binder might be missing. Joining me now, one of the reporters who broke the story, Michael Schellenberger, Michael, explain how this all started with the CIA picking these 26 Trump people. 
Yeah, good to be with you, Jesse. Well, obviously, this is an extremely serious story and serious allegation by multiple credible sources that Public and Racket, that's Matt Tybee's uh, publication, have spoken to. These are people that are close to the House intelligence investigation of how the Russia collusion hoax began. The story, as you mentioned, was that, oh, we were just informed by foreign intelligence about this. Our sources tell us a very different story, which is that this was initiated by the U.S. government. It came from within the U.S. government's intelligence community, including the CIA, that they asked the so-called Five Eyes Nations intelligence agencies, that's the other English-speaking nations, including Britain and Australia, to spy on 26 Trump associates, or at least they had a list of the 26 associates that were identified. This is new information. Some people have theorized about this and speculated about it. Uh, we feel very confident that our sources were in a position to know and are very credible in this report. And it's obviously a very serious allegation because this is illegal spying and it's illegal election interference. Okay, so you're reporting that. So this ties into every single piece that we have been putting together over the last several years. And it explains in fairly succinct detail why it's so important that they stop Trump from returning, because they know that he is fully aware of this. They know that he's got the goods. He's got receipts on all of it. Now, this binder may be missing, but do you really believe that there's only one copy of it? Remember, President Trump had actually uh, declassified all of this stuff. Take a look. Remember this? Memorandum on declassification of certain materials related to the FBI's crossfire hurricane investigation. Now, to my knowledge, Joe Biden never reclassified this stuff. It just became a matter of no one being willing to look at it and President Trump no longer being in the office of the presidency for it to be revealed to the American people. And with the transfer of power, obviously, Joe Biden's regime was not going to go ahead and look at this. So likely, President Trump, after having declassified this stuff, having taken it with him to Mar-a-Lago, was waiting for them to come and take it. Because now that it has been part of this investigation, it will be necessary for that information, the details of Spygate, to be entered into the public record for President Trump's public or excuse me, for President Trump's classified documents case. This is probably why Jack Smith is working to keep all of that evidence a secret, because as soon as it becomes public record, as soon as the Trump team has access to it, well, you know, they're going to know what was in those files that the FBI took and they're going to know what's not in those files. So that puts the federal government into a very difficult position. Uh, so there's a lot that can happen here. Now, uh, anarchist owl, I want to tell everybody I'm on a Mac. He says you can get an extension called ad block that has a hand inside of a stop sign. You will never see another ad or pop up. I want to make everybody aware. I have tried many different browsers on my computer. Uh, I have tried many different versions of ad block and I always run into the same problem. What will happen is that they will block the ads, but it will also block media that I'm trying to play while I'm live. So then I have to go through the task instead of skipping the ads. I have to then turn off the ad block, refresh the page, and then go back into it. And I'm still going to end up seeing the ads. And then I have to go turn it back on 
after I get done. That's why I show the articles in this form right here, because in reader view in Safari, uh, we don't see ads. We only see ads when I go to something with a piece of media. And so therefore, it's just not worth it for me to have the ad block, turn it on, turn it off and and hassle with it uh, because it always happens. I've tried it on many different occasions. <clears throat> but so now the question becomes, if this folder is missing, uh, if this Spygate documentation is uh, no longer where it's supposed to be, i.e. it was taken during the Mar-a-Lago raid and now it's just come up missing, uh, where is it? But I truly don't believe that there's only one copy. I think there's one copy that the deep state was able to take from President Trump's raid at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, but likely there were other declassified versions of this that were passed around. It's hundreds of pages. Uh, and each one of those pages would have inevitably been a copy from somewhere else. So unless they destroyed all of the evidence from the investigation and nobody from the committees that actually did the investigating had kept a copy or uh, had recorded it in any way, that's the only way they'd be able to cover it up uh, in its entirety. So I go back to the statement that I made yesterday about Joe Biden's own classified document scandal. Um what was it that Joe Biden was taking notes on and how damaging would it be to Barack Obama if it got out? Certainly what we're talking about here, the the initiation of Spygate and uh, the classified operation to spy on President Trump's campaign and then his transition team and then his actual administration by our own intelligence communities in concert with foreign intelligence communities. That's the biggest scandal of the year. It's the biggest scandal of the decade. It's certainly the biggest scandal of the Obama administration. But the stealing of the 2020 election, that's pretty damaging as well. Uh, do you remember when Joe Biden said this? Uh, in a situation where, secondly... We're in a situation where we have put together and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. So... <laughs> The most extensive voter fraud organization in the history of politics. I know all of you have seen that before. If you haven't seen that clip, you must have been sleeping under a rock. But I'm glad you're here now, and I'm glad that you're hearing Joe Biden say that. You know, Joe Biden has a history of speaking out of turn of, of gaffes, essentially, saying things that he shouldn't say. Now, the media stated that Joe Biden just misspoke. OK, he's not talking about voter fraud. He's talking about, uh, you know, getting out the vote. Well, I mean, those two things are interchangeable when it comes to the deep state and the Democrats. Um, however, he also said, you know, y'all, we did it under Obama's administration. Does that mean that Joe Biden was privy to a voter fraud rollout that took place in Obama's first or second term in office? Did he take notes on how to make sure he used it again in the 2020 election? Uh, I think that that is uh, highly likely uh, because if Obama and his initial team were the ones responsible for putting together this voter fraud network, as I'm certain they did, Joe Biden would have needed to take notes in those briefings as they were talking about it. 
You know, there was a former staffer for Joe Biden who moved into a career as a lobbyist right after Joe Biden left Congress. Uh, He founded something called the Lafayette Group in 1994 with a focus on public safety and national security needs for federal, state and local government agencies. And the firm that he started is now headed up by his son. On the website, there is a picture of this young man with Joe Biden, and it also features Joe Biden praising his former staffer's commitment to law enforcement by saying Scott Green was emotionally invested. It wasn't just a job for him. It was an emotional investment. So government contracts uh, for support services for law enforcement and national security agencies have been the bread and butter of this firm over the years. And according to a firm history that's posted on the website, that's obvious. It's public record. You can see it. But from 2012 to 2018, when you also uh, in, you also investigate the Lafayette Group's history on that website, uh, it turns out that they received contracts that were tied to at least one government program that was championed by Joe Biden. That was the Nationwide Public Safety Broadband Network. Now, this network set aside broadband internet spectrum for first responders. We actually spoke about this specific issue here on the show several months ago. Someone had identified how this spectrum could have been subverted, and it was proposed following September 11th, 2001. They wanted to set this broadband spectrum aside to improve emergency communications for disasters and for a 9-11 style thing taking place in the United States. But Among the biggest proponents to create that network was the Major Cities Chief Association. This is a police association, same association that hired Green as a lobbyist in 2007 and was represented by the Lafayette Group until December 6th, 2019. Now, when DHS set out to get this initiative into place, they contracted with the Lafayette Group to persuade state authorities to participate in the network. That's, again, according to the firm's website. Now, in total, the group was receiving more than $10 million in contracts for work related to this network, which is now called FirstNet. That is government publicly available information. So Scott Green also reportedly purchased Virgin Islands properties from James Biden. Remember, James Biden owned his own pedo island, allegedly, that was very close to Jeffrey Epstein's pedo island. Now, When he bought this land, James Biden extended him a private mortgage. What a nice guy. So if you take a look at their website, they had a really important part to play in the 2020 election. So on their website, it says our products are used by more than 5000 election officials in 27 states. In 2020, we engaged with more than 4000 additional jurisdictions and delivered an expanded set of products and services, including plans, training, exercise support, and operational tools to promote and enhance election security among state and local jurisdictions, vendors, political campaigns, and other public and private entities that make up the election-critical infrastructure community. Sounds like the most sophisticated election fraud organization in the history of the United States. Now, Scott Green served over a decade as a staff assistant to U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee for then-Senator Joseph Biden. And Biden proclaimed that Green was emotionally invested in his election. 
And for him, when he worked for him, it wasn't a job. Again, it was an emotional investment. So the Lafayette Group's products are the best received and most widely used offering that we have in the election security initiative portfolio. Basically, Joe Biden's guy was the one who started the group that took on the leadership role in terms of this most likely election fraud network that Joe Biden put together, also known as the Election Security Initiative Protocol. The statements about the Lafayette Group's importance in this Election Security Initiative Protocol portfolio were made by a CISA senior engineer. Now, if you take a look at uh, the DHS client, if you look at any major initiative on emergency communications since the Department of Homeland Security was created, it's a good bet that Lafayette Group was involved. It sounds like his relationship to Joe Biden really paid off. Now, uh, from Yehuda Miller, that gentleman that we spoke about yesterday, the one who got the information about GBI securities and continues to get freedom of information requests from the state of Michigan. We've got a, a detailed and intricate and ongoing relationship between Scott Green from the Lafayette Group since his time as an employee working for Joe Biden in the Senate. And Joe and Scott Green has continued to profit even after he left the employee of Joe Biden. And of course, when Joe Biden became president, that relationship became expanded to an even greater degree. It seems like there is an uncomfortable association and closeness that Joe Biden has to the idea of election security. And isn't it funny that at this time we are at probably the lowest level of confidence in the security of our elections than we ever have been in history? Joe Biden won the, the, the most popular election in history, 81 million votes. I wonder what role the Lafayette group may have had in ensuring that that psyop was perpetrated on the American people. Also, Redneck Shark, whose sister was there. I don't know who you're talking about. Redneck Shark. Who is Redneck Shark? Hmm. All right. Oh, Trisha, Zach, read Mom's Chunky Monkey One Chat. Oh, okay. Trisha, that was so long ago. I don't know. Hang on. Okay. Uh, mom's chunky monkey. Where is mom's chunky monkey? My brother-in-law was at the Casey parade and saw one of the shooters. If you want to contact him, oh, please, please have him email me red pill 78. If anybody out there has a connection to this and, and you got any information, red pill 78 at protonmail.com. Thank you very, very much. I definitely would like to talk to him. Um, my sister was there too. And she told me it happened right in front of her. She almost pulled her 22 out. Damn son. Okay. Redneck shark. Give your sister my email, redpill78 at protonmail.com or proton.me. And if they want to talk, you can't hear me. You can't hear me. What are you talking about? We can't hear you. I, you can definitely hear me. You guys, (laughs) my microphone's on and I see it, see it moving right there. Okay. Anyways, um, Joe Biden, 
probably did preside over the largest election fraud network in the history of this country. We saw it take place in 2020. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. And it's not a surprise what Tony Bobulinski had to say yesterday. Yesterday, we read his entire opening statement. Uh, and uh, we have a little bit of new information that came out from the actual questions that he was asked and answered uh, as he sat before the House Oversight Committee. Uh, so, the testimony from Tony Bobulinski is extremely important, and that's why he had to be buried for the last three or four years. It's why the FBI overlooked his story. It's why the FBI never bothered to contact him, because the FBI was already well aware of the illegal activities that Joe Biden was engaging in, the illegal enrichment that he and his criminal network situated within his family network were engaged in, both before, during, and after his presidency here in the United States. He had suspicious activity reports that showed that Hunter Biden and his business partners, Rob Walker, they got $3 million from CEFC in 2017. And then you had four more Biden family members, Hunter, James, Haley, and still an unidentified Biden. They got another $1.3 million. Uh, Rob Walker, when he was interviewed by those investigators, he agreed that Joe Biden had attended a meeting with Hunter. And the CEFC business partners, Chairman Yi Jiaming, he said, I don't remember exactly when, but I remember being in D.C. and the former vice president stopped by. We were having lunch. Uh, the Joe Biden. The Joe Biden product was the Biden name. Uh, the Bidens are known for getting deals done. That means making things happen and ensuring that they get paid. It was in 2017 that Hunter Biden told Bobulinski in a text message that he did not want to register as a foreign agent on behalf of CEFC, probably because he was aware that by registering as a foreign agent for China, it would hurt Joe Biden's possibility of becoming president of the United States. They simply could not have that out there on the books. Now, Bobulinski testified that Joe Biden enabled Hunter to sell access to some of the U.S.'s most dangerous adversaries, most of which included the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, Bobulinski also recalled the direct business relationship that Joe had with CEFC, noting that operations increased in 2016. That's the last year that Joe Biden was vice president. They knew that as soon as he was out of the White House, they could make more money. And they also knew that if Joe Biden became president, it would significantly reduce his uh, liability of being caught because they were doing so many illegal things. Joe Biden being aware of the deal with CEFC, knowing that him selling access to American foreign policy, dealing with the Chinese Communist Party, was the only thing they were selling that simply could not be allowed. They couldn't let that information get out. Uh, also. The fact that law enforcement covered up and buried Tony Bobulinski's story goes to show you just how corrupt the Washington, D.C. swamp is and why it's so important that we get this information out right now. House investigators continue to pour through the information Tony Bobulinski brought forward, and I continue to attempt to get Tony Bobulinski to show up on this show for an interview. Again, if anybody here as a connection to Tony Bobulinski, I would sincerely appreciate uh, a leg up. Now, we've also got new information about top prosecutors meeting with the White House and the aides of Joe Biden uh, before indicting President Donald Trump. Uh, the reported meetings 
give us a, a better idea of Joe Biden's level of involvement in the coordinated attack against Donald Trump. Now, because they met with Joe Biden and his aides in the White House prior to actually bringing these charges, it suggests that Joe Biden was himself directing the very operation to take down Donald Trump, probably in the same way he was directly involved in the crossfire hurricane investigation as well. And of course, the timing of the indictments happening so soon after these top prosecutors meet with White House officials, well, it also indicates that likely there is a level of coordination, something that should not exist, especially because Joe Biden said he only learned about all these things as they were reported publicly. President Trump got hit with four different indictments in four different jurisdictions each time following revelations that were produced about the Biden crime family and their business dealings, selling access to foreign adversaries like China and others. In three of those cases, we this is where we have the prosecutors meeting with the Biden administration just prior to indicting Trump. Alvin Bragg, he met with the White House, and he's the one who brought this crap Stormy Daniels case. Jack Smith, we had him meet with the White House prior to the indictments down in Miami. And then, of course, who we have reported on ad nauseum in weeks recent was Fannie Willis, Fulton County. Before she brought the charges against Donald Trump, she met with White House officials. And it's also rumored that she got a call that weekend because there was some real bad news that popped up about Joe Biden. And he said, we need an indictment to come Monday. That first indictment, April 4th of 2023, that was the same day that Kathy Chung testified about Joe Biden's mishandling of classified documents. And that testimony itself contradicted Joe Biden's own personal statements. On March 17th of 2023, Alvin Bragg asked for a meeting with federal law enforcement ahead of the Trump indictment. A year earlier, Bragg's office had also hired a former senior DOJ official, Matthew Colangelo. He spent years targeting Trump at the Justice Department, and he also attacked President Trump in his role at the New York Attorney General's office. Now, Bragg has largely been discredited by the indictment because when you actually read it, even Democrats say it's not really an indictment. There's no crime there. It's essentially a, a series of uh, ridiculous statements held together with uh, a string and glue. Now, Jack Smith, he filed his indictment on June 8th of 2023. That's the same day the exact same day, an FBI 1023 form resurfaced, which alleged that Joe Biden was bribed with five million dollars. Now, later in June, Jack Smith filed a superseding indictment. It was the day after the case against Hunter Biden with that sweetheart deal fell apart in Delaware. If you go back a few months back in March, there was a member of Joe Biden's top counsel who met with a top member of Smith's legal team. This is nine weeks before he indicted Trump in that classified documents case. So in each and every one of these instances, you've got bad news about the Bidens coming out and then immediately thereafter an indictment against Trump. And we've noticed this and tracked it since the very beginning. I think all of us are smart enough to see the writing on the wall. The same thing is true in the Georgia case against President Trump. That indictment came out August 14th, 2023. And remember, in this one, in a spectacular example of screwing the pooch, the Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney's Office accidentally published this indictment before it had even been handed down 
by the grand jury. Now, a few months before that, they met twice with Biden's White House counsel, May 23rd and November 8th. That was a year before Trump's August indictment. And Willis's prosecutor had charged Fulton County taxpayers $2,000 for each meeting, again, billing out at $250 per hour. Now, those allegations have not been disputed. Uh, but however, of course, the nature of those those actual visits and, of course, the relationship has been disputed uh, in this instance, Fannie Willis, in the same way that Alvin Bragg and Jack Smith were taking orders from the Biden White House so that they could help assist in further character assassination of Donald Trump and to take the heat off of the bad news cycles surrounding Joe Biden. Now, we're going to end with this story right here. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. We're, we're going to go ahead and cancel, uh, end it right now, because I've got less than two hours until I have to be on the air with Brad on Altered State over there on Badlands Media. So let me go through these thank yous, guys, and then we will call it a night. <clears throat> uh, so let me say, uh, number one Indiana dad, doesn't the $95 billion bill include a cuckoo's egg so that in the future... Any president can't stop the Ukraine funding without facing immediate impeachment. Mohab. Yes, it does. Uh, number one, Indiana dad. We spoke about that yesterday. It's definitely in there. And uh, again, it won't matter because it's not going to get passed in the house. Uh, Snowcat operator says, good afternoon, friends. Thank you very much. Uh, Jim Kyle says, I, I thought when a particular party won a seat in Congress and they left before the term was over, it would stay with that party. Unfortunately, no, they have to file. They have to actually hold a special election. And considering the fact that one party over the other had been elected previously, that the Democrat, excuse me, that the demographics wouldn't have changed in a significant way. And so they would most likely end up regaining that seat. No, uh, but that's not what happens. As uh, we just found in uh, George, uh, what's his name's uh, seat in New York, um, the, the I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. It's I'm drawing a blank on it. <clears throat> yeah. Democrat won that seat in a special election yesterday. Uh, Fredo says new glasses fund and Scalise was getting cancer treatment. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Andre, we answered that one. I answered these ones from earlier. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. Thank you also, Trisha, for bringing uh, mom's chunky monkey and redneck shark to my attention right there. All right. Now uh, heading on over to our friends at pilled.net. Uh, we'll begin with rise attire. Cheers, friends. I dropped a new article on our blog about work worth sharing. Wake up and fight. Uh, let me go ahead and share that here, guys. I'll get this over to the peeps over on Rumble as well, and I will share it again over here on Pilled. All right. Who cares? Says high five, Zach. Uh, notice we are suddenly getting a lot of shootings. False flag. Lots of two A stuff at SCOTUS and states. Uh, yes, I think that there are definitely connections there. Uh, however, in this instance in Kansas City, I, I, I tend to believe that this was actually just uh, an overzealous reaction. We, you know, there are just people behaving in really stupid ways and it's uh, it's bad. But when we do see the uh, known to the FBI uh, rainbow pronoun people shooting up churches, those are definitely false flags, in my opinion. They 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 do those on purpose. Uh, Dragonfly 27 says drill, baby drill. There is that there is a drill to have that many cops showing up in three letters. Oh, you're a drill in Kansas City. That would not surprise me, to be quite honest with you. 
That's why I didn't want to comment on it too much because, uh, like I said, there may be uh, – it may make sense, but a drill makes a lot of sense too. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you for that cookie. Porpoiseful, thank you for that cookie. Thick Ray says, I second that nuts got a roll. <laughs> Hashtag the truth is loose. Red Pill Ken, uh, thinking outside the zoc- thinking outside the box sack, I can make the argument that Mike and Obama hollowed out their stepkids. Ooh, ooh. I mean, uh, maybe. I, I don't see why they may not. Uh, those kids are not theirs. I'll tell you that much. Um, but, uh, but, oh, that's, that's, that's rough. That's rough to think about. Loop to loop. Thank you for the shades. Tracy says, uh, my mom has butts in her family history. They pronounce it boots. I've heard it pronounced both ways. And that's the thing. Uh, so I don't know. I, uh, I actually knew someone with the last name butts, B U T Z. Uh, but I have also heard people say that when they pronounce it, it's boots. So I don't know. Well, well <laughs> I don't, it's probably going to be a long time before I have another article with that many butts in it or boots. Thank you to Sean Joe for that cookie. And then also dropping one, two memberships and then bong hit and Bender uh, picked them up. Filter dog. Thanks for the can net folks. Thank you. C Blanche. Oh, seven. My friend. Good dog. Thanks for the shades. Liberty Bell says, God bless you, Red Pill Girlfriend. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to the lovely Lisa. Uh, J2 Dank, thank you. The Steel Monkey says, RP, you got the you got that wrong. There's only one sorry motherfucker from Arkansas. The rest of them were from Alaska. Ah, sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. I was just uh, on the Arkansas train. So, yeah, totally, totally, totally. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, let me see. Red Pill Ken says, we send our prayers to Ukraine. Enough is enough. Exactly. Prayers, hopes and prayers. That's all they need. They need a ceasefire. Okay. And they could have already had it. We don't need to waste any more money. Filter Dog says, Schellenberger upset. We knew about this six years ago. Yeah, I think that Schellenberger and uh, Taibbi, they're finally realizing like, wow, we've been really wrong the last couple of years. So, you know, do the work, guys. Do the work. Continue to do the investigation. Hopefully, you know, you'll catch up soon enough. <laughs> Anon's new. Y'all didn't. Uh, Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Porpoiseful, thank you. Red Pill Ken, thank you again. Raisin Cane, thank you. D Dallas says, great show. And then Net Folks won. Thank you for the can. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. I'm going to go ahead and pass out these gold pills now. And then I'm going to go get ready for my show at 9 p.m. If you guys want to hang out, Brad and I are going to be chatting it up at 9 p.m. on Badlands Media. If not, that's totally cool because I will be live here again tomorrow at 5 for another episode of Red Pill News Live. Until that time, good luck and God bless. We'll see you then.